Welcome to Motherhood Exposed. Join me, Zoe Cresswell, mum of two and a UK-trained midwife and doula, as I meet with an array of amazing women navigating life and motherhood. Since becoming a mum for the second time, after my own complex journey, I've become more and more aware that motherhood is so unique. There's no one story the same, and women need support now more than ever. I hope by allowing mothers to openly speak out, we can help to break the silence around many topics. We need to shout out that there is no normal, and that is something we need to embrace. Motherhood isn't always picture perfect, so let's bust some myths, realign expectations, and share the journey together. I'm so, so happy to introduce today's guest, Charlie Barker, founder of the extremely popular and successful Bumps and Burpees pre and postnatal fitness company. Charlie talks to me today about an array of things, including starting and owning her own business and just some of what that entails, writing and having her own book published in less than a year while being pregnant and then with a newborn and in a global pandemic. And we also chat in depth about her three tragic miscarriages prior to the birth of her gorgeous, smiley Alfie. Charlie is an inspirational entrepreneur and a bloody lovely one at that too. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Hi, Charlie. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. How are you? Very well, thank you. Thank you so much for joining me today. Um, I really appreciate it. you juggling life around little Alfie to speak to me. It's really kind of you. <laughs> no, thanks for having me. But maybe it's a break for you for an hour. You yeah, I'm actually hot, looking hot forward to it. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Awesome. Well, I always um, as, uh, like to start my podcast with the same question, which is how you met um, your husband, which is George. Is that right? Yep, that's right. Um, we actually met on the first day of university. So we went to Oxford Brooks University and he was in the flat above mine. And, um, you know, it's all that first, first night and we were all getting ready to go to the student union. And he knocked on the door and was that Larry guy that was like, hi, everyone, let's all go. And I was like, who is this guy? He's so annoying. Anyway, it turns out I would marry him. Um, but what was very interesting is that both of us took a year off before we went to university and both of us were signed up to different places and different courses and we just both came to a realisation on our year off that we wanted to change and then we both went to the same university so Aww. it was very yeah I like to think about that like I wonder what would happen if I didn't have yeah. that decision that day or okay. he didn't and so yeah, we ended up in the same block of flats so yeah so like the stars aligned for you yeah, and actually it was 12 years ago yesterday that we um, started dating, Aww. so it's been a long old time. <laughs> Gosh, and was he a slow burner or was it almost instant um, it after was, he became leery? It was, yeah, it, was quite, it was quite quick initially, but it was a slow burner in the sense that uh, we basically lived together from the very first moment we met because we, we happened to be. Um, yet we didn't get married until 10 years later, so that was a slow burner, but the whole thing started very quickly. <laughs> oh, it's a lovely story. I love it. Um, and can you tell me about your decision to um, become a pre and postnatal PT? Like, where did that come from? Well, I think it came from a few things. So firstly, um, my, I'm the oldest of four, and my youngest brother is actually 15 years younger than me. So oh, wow. I, so I grew up as a three, basically. And then once I was grown up in inverted commas I thought I was grown up I then got another sibling so I felt I was very included in it so I would I would help my mom and you know in the middle of the night he would wake up and cry and she'd go into his room and I'd be in there already being like don't worry I've got it um and 
I wish I had one of me now doing that. Yeah. <laughs> I am. Um, I I was very involved, and I used to, you know, change nappy and help my mum with the bath, all these kinds of things. So I loved um, babies, and I did a, a hell of a lot of nannying and babysitting around um, where I lived growing up. So when I became a personal trainer, I was just I would say a normal personal trainer, just a, a, a general trainer, mm-hmm. um, and I. I inherited a couple of clients from a trainer who left London and she, in the gym we were working in, she was sort of the pre and postnatal specialist. And she had a really good group of mums that she used to train. Um, and I took on a few of those and it was really nice and I enjoyed it. I didn't think much more of it, but then each one of those would, would refer me to their friends. You know, mums refer their friends to everyone, you know, they give their little black book of information to all their friends well, they do they do so, if you're doing a job right which obviously you do well yeah hopefully so I got <laughs> I got referred to a few more mums and I realized I was really enjoying it so I started doing some more training and becoming more specialist and and actually the way I sort of by accident realized oh I only have pre and postnatal clients now and it was like I, I really enjoy this it's actually very interesting to train a client who has I know, I mean, it might sound silly, but a real goal, you know, not just like, oh, I want to lose weight, but I love drinking and I go out all the time and mm-hmm. I'm not going to listen to you. Whereas actually training your client through their pregnancy, maybe for the first time, they were really hanging on my every word and doing all their homework and like, you know, really appreciating what we were doing. Um, and I loved it. And then it sort of grew from there in the sense that I learned very quickly that the biggest barrier to them training was their, was when their baby was there. If the nursery was closed, if the baby was sick, if, you know, all these things could happen. So I very quickly decided I need to involve the baby and it needs to be a bit more than just a personal training session. So I um, started going to their house and I'd say, look, give me the baby. I'll hold the baby. You carry on training. I even was changing nappies at one point. I, you know, I was trying <laughs> to do everything in that hour to give the mum their time. Facilitate um, so I would, it, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I was sort of a nanny come personal trainer. And that's really, I mean, there's a, a longer story of Bumps and Burpees starting where I, I went to a different gym and started it there. But that's where it actually started in, in my mind, that it has to be more than a personal training session. First of all, you might be the only adult that mum has spoken to for the whole day. Um, and they might have been looking forward to that session all week. It's their one thing to them. And, um, you know, their baby is their love. They love their baby, but they might not want to talk about it all the time. So really what I was doing was, removing that baby from them, letting them train and be themselves and do what they love. And I was doing everything I possibly could to keep that baby happy whilst them training. So it was comical sometimes. I was like playing football with a toddler whilst uh, pushing a baby up and down in the buggy, trying to get them to sleep whilst instructing the mum on how to do her lunges properly. So <laughs> it, was, it was chaotic and it's taught me some good multitasking um, tips. But that's really where it came about. So it was sort of organic and by accident, but I'm very glad it happened that way. That's amazing. And has the company grown um, from just you? Oh, yeah. Um, So when it started, when the actual name Bumps and Burpees started in a gym in um, Chelsea, which is no longer there, sadly, but it started in there and it was just me. And basically it was just if a lady came in the gym and she was pregnant or had a baby, I would be her trainer. And that was really all it was. And then I started to become too busy. So I, rec- I poked another trainer from the main gym and then another and then another. And then we actually got too big for the gym. And when, we, when I took it out of the gym, I was looking for a studio to set it up again. 
And in the meantime, I was saying to my clients, look, why don't I come to your house? I'll train you in your house whilst I'm getting everything set up and then we'll get going. And they all said, oh my God, we way prefer this. This is so much easier because my baby can sleep in their own bed or, you know, be around their own toys, et cetera, et cetera. They don't have to try and plan to get them to the gym. Um, which can be more stressful than the gym stuff yeah, itself. Um, and so I decided to carry on like that. And then really quickly, I filled up my diary and I was like, well, that can't be where the business ends. So I started recruiting other trainers all across London to do the same thing. So it's sort of, I'm like a matchmaker. So I get inquiries <laughs> from clients and I figure out what they need, where they're based. And obviously now we've got online training as well, mm-hmm. um, which, you know the lockdown actually launched me into by accident but it's been brilliant and I matched them up with the trainer that works for them and then um, off they go so it's grown and there's 50 something trainers now which is amazing how many um, 50 yeah yeah I think 52 um and and they're all really different and they all have different skills and um some of them lots of them are mums some of them aren't mums um and it's great because there's somebody for everyone and um yeah it means I don't have to say no to anyone because I'm too busy or whatever which I hated doing so now I now I work as a little matchmaker for my clients (laughs) that's amazing and what can you um like what would be like the biggest highs and the biggest lows of like starting a business by yourself that is a really good question um the biggest and actually it's interesting because often the lows don't get spoken about do they so people message me and say oh I've just become qualified and I really want to start a business like you any tips I'm like well, first of all, it takes a really long time and so many ups and downs. So I'd say the highs um, are when people cut people uh, for me, for me, the highs have been where um, people have known about the business and it's not been through me. So it means that they've been either referred to me or yeah. they've, been, they've heard someone talk about it and they want to know more. That's where I love it because I think, oh my God, it's, it, you know, for ages it was just me promoting it, you know, till the cow came home, I was talking about it to everyone I could. And then that pays off because people have a good experience, they tell their friends or they tell their neighbour or whatever. And yeah, people would come up to me and say, oh, you run Bumps and Burpees. And that, I just never get bored of that. That is so <laughs> Um But the lows, and also the highs are when clients have a great time and have a baby and they feel great, you know, that's obviously a high still. Mm-hmm. And, I, and, and I love that every single time. The lows yeah. have been where, um, you know, I've tried something and it hasn't worked. So for example, before, actually, I mean, it would never have worked this year anyway, but before um, coronavirus, I really wanted to start doing events because the community online has been growing lots. And I really wanted to bring mums together and actually not to do fitness, just to meet other mums and talk about mm-hmm. things that, you know, they want to talk about. And when I promoted it online, I got a lot of interest and I thought, brilliant, this is going to be sold out. There's so many people got a really lovely venue in London and they agreed to do it and everything. And then when I went to sell tickets, nobody was buying them. And it turns out that a lot of the people that follow Bumps and Burpees are not all based in central London, you know, they're everywhere. And that's the beauty of Instagram Mm -hmm. or any social media is that I can, Mm -hmm. you know, what we're doing now, you're across the world from me. Um, and that was where I had to then let down the event company and say, like, I can't actually book out the venue because I don't have enough people. I had to refund a few people who had booked tickets. And I was absolutely gutted. And it was one of those yeah. things that, you know, people probably don't really know about because if they didn't come, they think, oh, it probably happened and I never went. Yeah. But actually, I went home crying because I thought, oh, God, I really thought that was going to work and it didn't. So I think when you're looking at someone who's run, running a business, you have to remember that there's so many things like that that never make it to 
public knowledge. Nobody knows about them because mm-hmm. you just sort of brush it under the carpet and move on. But um, yeah, there's plenty of things like that that you try and they don't work. But you learn, and I've learned that that physical events are just not going to really work for me because the majority of the people that follow bumps and burpees are dotted all around the world. So it's it's just not it's not what I'm going to be doing. Which is just amazing in itself, really, isn't it? That you can, well, yeah, um, you can reach all of these people. And when you have a low, what, what, um, how, how do you pick yourself back up again? Well, for that, for that specific one, my husband was very good, or very clever, I think. He was like, <laughs> I've, I've, I've booked us some tickets to go to the cinema, because I think it would cheer you up. And I was like, oh, great. And actually, it meant that I didn't talk to him about it all night, because that was probably him being very clever about <laughs> it. But also, it meant that I was just distracted. I went to the cinema came home and it was like okay fine and you know he said to me exactly what I was just saying to you these things happen all the time businesses do that all the time and you know what nobody's gonna gonna um not come to bumps and burpees because of it yeah. you know they understand and you're an entrepreneur trying these new things not all of them can work and so it was, it's a little bit about being realistic I think obviously have your moment have a cry do whatever you need to do but basically move on see what what did I learn from that do I want to try it again or is this that not going to work um and move on I think that's the best thing to do I I'm a dweller and I am a real overthinker so it's it's a lesson I need to take on myself but I do no, try and just yeah I just try and move on and think you know it's just not the end of the world awesome thank you um and can you talk to me about um like starting your own family Yes. So as I said, we, George and I met at university. So that, you know, we had a, a lovely um, 10 years of sort of not really worrying about anything adult like, you know, we went to university <laughs> together, we moved to London, we got jobs, you know, we were just living the dream. It was so fun. But in my mind, I always just assumed I was going to be a mum, you know, especially with my career. It was like, I can't wait till mm-hmm. I do it. And there was never really a doubt about, about whether I was going to or not. And then we got married in 2018. And then, I mean, it was quite silly. I was like, no, let's not try straight away because I don't want to be pregnant on my honeymoon. I kind of thought we'll we'll just be pregnant immediately. Um, So went on honeymoon, came back and and then thought, okay, yeah, we'll start trying. And actually, I did get pregnant immediately. I got pregnant that very first month we started to to try. And George was on a, a work trip and I... I felt a bit wheezy. I felt like dizzy and a bit unwell. And I, I was lying on the bed and suddenly I had this realisation. Oh my God, I wonder. So I took a pregnancy test. And I've done plenty of those in my time from university thinking, <laughs> oh my God, my period's one day late. What if? And they've always obviously been negative. And so I did the test, put it on the side of the bathroom, brushing my teeth, suddenly glanced over and fully expecting there to be one line. And there are two lines just staring back at me. And I nearly choked in my toothpaste. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> so I had to wait for him to be back from his trip, which was that night. So I had 12 <gasps> hours oh, no. of, of not being able to tell anyone. So I didn't want to tell him over the phone. I wanted to see him in person. And I was seeing all my clients that day. I didn't say a word. I must have been the worst personal trainer ever because I just was so preoccupied. Anyway, he came home and I handed him the test in a little bag. And he said, why are you giving me mascara? I was like, it's not mascara, turn it over. <laughs> he, and first of all, he thought two lines means two babies. So he was like, and it's Oh, good love it. <laughs> it, was all, it was all a bit chaotic, and he, but he was so thrilled. And he came home at midnight, by the way. So he was like, why are you awake? And I was like, I cannot sleep. Look at this. So anyway, we were absolutely over the moon and just immediately started planning the next nine months. It was like, perfect. It'll be due in October. Um, and 
and I'll be pregnant at my friend's wedding in this month. You know, immediately, within 10 minutes, I'd, I'd mapped out. It's crazy. Week. It's crazy how your mind yeah, just goes. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And even if you don't want it to, it's done it. And like you oh, said, yeah. like, oh, so, so-and-so's weddings then, and we've got this holiday then, we've got a trip here, and you imagine yeah. where you'll be in your pregnancy instantly without exactly. even, you can't, you can't even trying it. to and do it. It's happened. Yeah, and I would say that it's actually a lovely thing to do. So even though, you know, it ended up being quite sad, it's a nice thing to do because you're getting excited about that baby. Of course you are. So we were thrilled. We didn't tell anyone. And I was already counting down, when can we tell our family? I can't wait, I can't wait. Anyway, a few weeks later, I think only actually like two and a half weeks later, we were going to one of George's cousin's um, 18th birthdays, I think, or maybe 21st birthday, like a family party at their house. And uh, we were all watching home videos of his cousin. And I went to the bathroom and I had a bit of bleeding. And I immediately didn't feel okay about it, even though I knew that spotting is, you know, very common in those first few weeks and, you know, even longer sometimes. But I just was like, oh, I don't like this. And on the way home, my stomach started cramping. And I just felt like, I know what's happening I know what's happening and they felt like almost contractions like the cramps were just coming and going coming and going and I just had my hands on my tummy and I just thought oh I know what's happening so anyway I rang my doctor who didn't know because I hadn't seen any doctor yet so I um mm. I, I was explaining what was going on and they were saying look unfortunately I think it sounds like you're miscarrying see what happens overnight and then do a test in the morning and see what happens so Anyway, the worst night, it was, I was just so sad. It was, you know, it wasn't anything very traumatic physically, but I just thought, oh, I'm so excited. I really thought we, like, this is it. We've done it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the next day, I did a test, and it said, I did a, a digital one, and it was actually horrible because it just said, not pregnant, and it was like it was yelling at me. Oh, um, really? And I, yeah, and I just, obviously, you know, it, I was pregnant and then not pregnant so quickly that all the hormones had already gone, and, and you know, there was nothing left. So it was... It was over and done with very quickly and actually knowing what was coming, looking back, I, that was fine. But it did show George and I that actually we were ready, that's exactly what we wanted and we would just try again. I, I wanted to try again that minute. <laughs> I was ready and I said to the doctor, can I try again? They said, you know what, as long as you stop bleeding and there's, you know, the risk of infection is gone, then yeah, absolutely you can. So obviously being the crazy person I was, I timed it. I was like, right, 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 come on. We'll get back next, on it. Next time. Yeah, and the very next cycle, my period didn't arrive. I did a test. I was pregnant again. Wow. And I know. Honestly, the problem with us is not getting pregnant, seemingly. It's actually just keeping the baby in there. So I, I do feel very lucky in that sense because um, that's another that's another thing that's very hard, not getting pregnant month after month. So we, we got pregnant straight away. And I immediately was just filled with fear. And every single time I went to the bathroom, expecting to see blood. Like, I think that's a really common thing I hear from women, but I just yeah. was always expecting the worst. I was actually holding my urine in because I was so afraid of going to the toilet, like all stupid things like that. Um, anyway, things were going really well. And month after month, well, week after week, everything was progressing. I was having all the symptoms. Uh, we went on a holiday to New York. Um, my boobs were really sore, I was feeling sick, I was loving it, I was feeling sick, it was like, <laughs> yes, this is great, something's happening. Um, we came back and we had, oh, George's sister lives abroad and she was back for Easter. And so I said to him, look, why don't we tell the family now because they're all together yeah. um, and we're not going to all be together for ages. So we did, we told all of the family, we told all the family, we drove to my mum, we drove to my dad, we told everyone knew and it was Aww. so exciting. And then we decided to go for a 
a private scan the next week because I was just losing my mind waiting for 12 weeks. So this was, this was 10 weeks and we decided to go for a private scan. And in this scan, um, she said, you are pregnant, but, and George said, it's twins. I knew it. I told you. And he has an obsession with twins, basically. Because <laughs> um, both of us have twins in our family. So we're all waiting to be told we're having twins. And um, she said, but it's looking to be a little bit um, earlier than you think you are. So it was showing up um, like a week before what it should be. Uh, no, no, sorry, two weeks before what it should be. And, and she was like, I'm not sure if I can hear a heartbeat, blah, blah, blah. So I immediately didn't feel comfortable with that because I knew that I was, I couldn't be much earlier than I was because I was pregnant before and the miscarriage, you know, like, so mm-hmm. there wasn't much yeah, room. The timings didn't work. Yeah. Yeah. So she said, look, go away for two weeks, the longest two weeks of my oh, whole entire life. Go away for two weeks and come back and, you know, it probably would have grown and everything and we'll be able to see it have caught up and, and we'll see a heartbeat and everything will be fine. So I spent those two weeks just doing maths in my head every day thinking, okay, well, maybe if we can see from that day and then it didn't quite fertilize and, and you know, some babies grow so well. Obviously, I was, I was reading Mumsnet and, and Google and I was spending hours trying to find the, the answer that I wanted, which, of course, I couldn't yeah. find because I wanted my answer. <laughs> anyway, I, I convinced myself that actually it probably is fine because I'm not bleeding. Everything everything seems to be fine. I'm feeling horrendous. So therefore something must be going on. Anyway, we went back in and um, she, she, it was an internal scan and she put it in there and then she said, okay. And she sort of turned the screen around again. And when she said, okay, I just, I just knew it. I felt like I should cuddle her. I felt sorry for her. And it was crazy. It's such a, it's such a British thing to do, isn't it? I was like, don't worry, don't, don't worry, don't worry. It's such a horrible thing for you to tell me that. And she said, the pregnancy hasn't progressed so basically it you know about these but it was a missed miscarriage and my body was just continuing to produce all the hormones, hormones yeah. and and that it had missed the miscarriage basically and so she said we've got um, a gp here who you can see um if you wait in the waiting room she can t- take you through the next steps so she was so sweet, bless her, and I held it together in there. I completely held it together, and we went out and sat in the waiting room, but we were sat in the waiting room with three other couples who were waiting to go into their pregnancy scans, and oh, some of them no. had come out from their scans, and they were holding their pictures, and they were rubbing their bellies, and I, I basically just kept staring up at the ceiling, blinking really fast, trying to stop the tears from coming, because I thought, if I start crying now, I'm not going to be able to talk to this GP, so I need to hold it together. Anyway, got into the room with the you're, GP. And you're I very brave. Lost it. I completely lost it in the GP room. Um, and she was so sweet. And um, I just said, I don't understand what's happened. It's not come out. Why, why is it not alive? Anything. She, she explained it all so well. And she was holding back tears as well. Bless her. So sweet. And I'm, I'm friends with her now, actually. It turns out we, were, we used to follow each other on Instagram anyway, but through my tears, I couldn't recognise her. Oh. So she, she knew who I was. And I, when I got home and she had emailed me, I was like, hang on, I know who you are. Anyway, <laughs> she's, been, she's been such a great support ever since. But um, she basically said, we can either leave this to happen naturally, but it doesn't look like it's going to, because, you know, it's been in there for quite a long time yeah. now. Yeah. Or we can refer you to the hospital, and we can go from there. They can either do um, a surgery, a DNC, or they can medical medically manage yeah. it. Anyway, I had to wait another two days till I got the call because it was over the weekend. I got a call from oh. um, Chelsea West's hospital, 
And I know it wasn't her fault, but the receptionist said, um, how many pregnancies have you had in the past? And I said, one other one. And she said, and how many alive children do you have? And I was like, how many alive children do I have? I was like, zero. I mean, I know that you have to find out the answer, but it, it just seemed a really cruel way of asking. Um, it's really crushing. Yeah, and you know, I don't, I don't envy people with a job like that at all. It's really difficult. But anyway, I went in and um, unfortunately, my husband was away on a work trip. He, he oh. only had two work trips that whole entire year. One when I found out I was pregnant <laughs> the first time and one this time. But I, I was told that when I went in there, I would be called back for a surgery. So I said to him, you go, I'll go with my mum and then you'll be back when I have a surgery anyway. Mm-hmm. Anyway, they told me on that day that there was a 10 day waiting list to have a surgery. And I just, <gasps> I just couldn't wait any longer. I didn't want to have a long time me. as well. If it already been in inside you for yeah. that period it almost becomes a bit risky then exactly exactly and I know that some women will say they want they want everything to happen naturally and I completely understand that as well but for me I just I felt sick knowing it was still inside me and also I seemed sick because of the pregnancy hormones I felt awful mm. so I thought get it out so they said oh we can manage it today we can give you um everything we need to get things going today and have it medically managed so I decided to go for that one um and knowing that George was going to be back that night anyway um I did that and it was it was the worst day ever actually it was horrible so I, I they gave me the um the pessary to take home and I was I went back to my mum's house and she was so sweet and she she actually distracted me she had me like helping her do some work and things like that which was exactly what I needed because I was I was so preoccupied and so scared of what was going to happen um, and then, and the nurse said to me, it's going to be like a period, really. That's what will happen. It'll be like a period. You'll get lots of cramps after about four hours of taking the pessaries and, you know, it will be over and done with before you know it. And she was right in some sense. Once the pessaries were in, it was almost bang on four hours. I started getting these horrendous cramps. I mean, now I've had a baby, I would say they weren't that horrendous, but they were, they were horrendous <laughs> at, at the, the time. time. At the time, they felt awful. Um, and over the next, I'd say, three or four hours after that, every time I went to the bathroom, stuff was coming out, and lots were coming out. I mean, I don't want to be too graphic, but I actually think it's important to talk about no, how it I've was. I've just actually recorded another podcast this week, and um, we were talking about exactly that, that it, we yeah. have to talk about what physically happens because we always talk about the emotional side yeah but never the physical side. And um, having been through it myself and being a midwife, um, it shocked me how much blood yeah. I lost. Exactly. Um, and I think that I didn't, I wasn't ready for it. And it really, really shocked me. And I think scarred me a bit. So I, I always tell people exactly how it was just so they're prepared, even if it's horrible to hear, you need to know. Yeah. But anyway, um, I kind of thought after those few hours, I thought everything must be out now. Honestly, <laughs> there's nothing left. Everything must be out. So my mum drove me back home. George met me at home and we, we had dinner together and then we lay on the sofa and it was getting towards you know 10 o'clock or something I thought let's just go to bed I feel exhausted and so I he went off to the bathroom to brush his teeth as I got up off the sofa to go and do the same I think gravity must have taken over and I felt this big whoosh down below and I was I ran to the bathroom and I was like get out get out get out he came out toothpaste everywhere he came out I rushed in and basically I felt something really big fall out and um I could, didn't get to the bathroom and didn't get to the toilet in time. So it was in my um, 
knickers and I could basically see the 20 seaters and I was just saying to George on the other side of the door oh my god George it's the baby I can see it and I said do you want to see it and he said no so I said okay okay I'm gonna I'm gonna flush it so I sort of closed my eyes flushed, uh, put it in the toilet and then he said wait I do want to see it so it was it was a bit comical looking back he came back in the bathroom we tried to find it it had already gone down and so when he when he came in he said oh my god and then it was only then that I sort of woke up and looked around and it was like a murder scene in that room there was there was blood everywhere all over the floor the side of the bath and we just sat on our hands and knees clearing it up and just crying and it was one thing like I would just never unsee that and he feels awful because he didn't see it but equally I'm so envious that he didn't because he hasn't he didn't have that image in his head and you know, then I then I was very sure, okay, everything's out. And there was part of me that thought, right, now's the time to begin the next process, which is like the grieving and the healing and everything like that. So I couldn't sleep that night, obviously. I was my head was in all sorts of positions and, and I was sweating a lot. I think it was all the hormones, I was sweating. Every time I fell asleep I would dream about it, so I'd wake up. I'd actually started dreaming of um, a real full-size baby falling out of me in that bathroom which was Aww. and that that dream kept coming for like weeks and weeks and weeks after so I was so exhausted because I just I was too afraid to fall asleep um and anyway I had the hospital said I had to do a pregnancy test um a week after to, to prove to um be sure the that checkers, all the hormones yeah. were gone and I was so afraid to do one and then um, the first one I did came back positive so I had to wait another few days and then I got a negative test and it was bittersweet because I wanted it to be negative, but equally it was sort of like, that's the end of that, that baby's gone. So I'd say after that one, we just start, like both of us really struggled. First of all, George was really there for me. Um, bless him, he went back to work, I don't know how he did it, but I, I, my clients were just so lovely. They were like, you know, take the time. So I was at home and I was just crying, eating chocolate so all day. Did you, tell, did you tell your clients what had happened? Yeah, and actually, I had told them about the pregnancy because after losing the first one, even though it was so early, I felt like I needed to talk to people about it. And who better to talk to than other mums? So it meant that during my work day, I was chatting about it all the time. So they all knew about it, which was amazing, and they were just lovely. And some of them had had miscarriages too, so they were really helpful. And um, I, I realised after a week, I can't be at home anymore. I need to get back to work. And so I went back to work and, you know, it was hard because I was training with, I was working with present clients and some of them had the same due date as I had and things like that. But it was good for me. It really was good for me. Anyway, I started to feel better. You know, obviously I'd have random moments where I'd just cry out of nowhere, like in the car, making some tea. But yeah. I would just start crying. But they got far and few between and I started feeling much better. And then we were at a wedding and um, all of a sudden George started crying. And it, and it was basically he... He was letting his emotions out after he realised that I was okay. And yeah. it was his turn to sort of grieve. And it was very sweet. And I was very happy he did it, actually, because I had, I had thought, oh, he's, he's burying his emotions. Um, he can't be okay about this. As much as he says he can't be. Because he kept saying, I just care about how you're feeling. I was like, yeah, but you must be feeling something about this baby. And he, um, he had an almighty meltdown. And he was crying and crying and and it was really sad to see, but actually after that, both of us were so much better. And we decided to take the whole summer off trying. And it was hard because I wanted to put a band-aid over it and just try again immediately. But I knew I wasn't strong enough to cope if something was to happen again. Yeah. So I had to build back up my strength for that. And of course, the NHS don't um, 
don't test anything. So after three. Three miscarriages. So it's tough. And I understand why, because they can't just be testing everybody because it is very common. But it was really hard to almost think, well, I might just have to have another one if that, you know, if that's the case. Yeah. Anyway, we had such a great summer. We went away on holiday with our friends. We were drinking gin and tonic some in the holidays. We, you know, I was, I just put it to the back of my mind. And then after that summer, I thought, okay, I feel really good. I'm ready to try again. Um, and the first month we didn't get pregnant, which is completely normal. But for us, it wasn't normal. That must have been got, really hard. Yeah. yeah we, all, we always just got pregnant immediately. So I was like, oh my God, what's happened? I'm now completely infertile. Anyway, the next month after that, we managed to get pregnant. and um, That's inc- incredible, your fertility is unbelievable. <laughs> yes, yeah, so we're very well matched on that sense, but I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't master step number two, which is keep it in there. Um, anyway, I, I, I was um, so thrilled again, but more than that, I, I just basically said to George, here we go again. It wasn't like, yeah. oh my God, yay! It was like, yeah. right, come on, game face on, we're doing this again. And... Um, the very next week, I was booked to do a talk at a baby show in London, big expo. Yes, where huge. I don't, I don't know if you've been before, but basically, you're just surrounded by, I think, hundreds of thousands of pregnant bumps. That's, that's the, the premise of the baby show. So I was doing a big talk about um, clean postnatal fitness, and, um, you know, it was great. And then whilst I was there, I went to the bathroom before my talk. Oh, no, no. I was bleeding again. And oh, I thought, Charlie. Oh, yeah, I just knew what was coming. Anyway, I had to do my talk. So I did the talk. Oh, and my I, gosh. I was like glazed over. But I've done yeah. a talk about same postnatal fitness more times than I can count. So I, it's almost I went into robotic mode. And I, just, I just did the talk. I didn't oh. get emotional or anything. Then after we left, after I finished the talk, it was like a nightmare. I was like, I have to get out of this place. Yeah. And I was being bumped into by pregnant women everywhere I went. Aww. And it was, it was like an actual dream. It was horrible. Got home and it wasn't a heavy bleed. It was just spotting. And I was like, obviously Googled images of spotting and I found some horrible <laughs> images. You know, you, 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 by the way, never Google images. Don't Google. <laughs> you don't need to see that. But obviously in that state of mind, I was like, I just need to see whether this is normal or not. Um, anyway, overnight the bleeding got fresher, which wasn't a good sign. And the next the next day, I did a pregnancy test, not pregnant. And that actually was the easiest miscarriage in the sense of the physical side of things. Um, it was I had no I had no symptoms, you know, nothing. But it was the hardest in the mental side, even harder than the missed miscarriage, I think, because I all of a sudden felt like okay, we have a problem. There's something there's something happening like will we, we ever we get hit, a baby we hit, we hit the number three like yeah that medical number three that you, you want to hit but you don't want to hit because actually yeah. before that it was like you know it's one in four it's really common unfortunately we had two but you know so many women on my net mum you know googling have two miscarriages and then they go on to have the baby's absolutely fine so I was like that'll be us um but now we're in this other camp of like we actually can't keep a baby in there we've got a problem so I went to back to the NHS and we were seeing really quickly it was actually lovely the, the early pregnancy unit um have obviously seen me twice before three times before even and they were so sweet and I, I always say I say in my book that I think they um must be some sort of note on my on my file that says very anxious because they would come and get me from Aww. the waiting room and this lady held my hand so oh. she held my hand and said come on let's go and have uh, have a chat um 
And we got all these tests done and they took lots of information from George and me. And it was one of those things, they're like, do you smoke? No, do you drink? Not really. I was like, honestly, we are so perfect for having a baby. I don't know why we are not. <laughs> we tick all the right boxes. Um, anyway, all the tests came back completely clear. So they were like, you know what? Everything's absolutely fine. You should just keep trying. It's just luck. And I just, maybe it's the sciencey part of me that I was like, I don't, I don't believe that it's just bad luck. I just feel like something's going on. I just had this gut feeling that if I didn't take control, this would just keep happening. And I, yeah. and I took to researching, but, not, but properly this time. I wasn't just Google searching. I really was talking to people. And what my acupuncturist, I was seeing a lovely friend of mine who was giving me acupuncture. She suggested going to see um, this guy who specializes in recurrent miscarriage. And she said, oh, it will only cost a couple of thousand pounds. And I was like, yeah, oh, have a couple of thousand pounds. <laughs> just because of a thousand. Yeah, we don't have that just lying around. But then again, I was saying to George, well, if it's to do with having a baby or not having a baby, we absolutely can afford that. It just means we can't afford other stuff. You know, we can't um, get a new car or we can't go on holiday. And actually, I'm okay with that. If, if we want to have a baby and we're serious about it, we do need to, to prioritize. So. Mm-hmm. I convinced him because I was all for it. I would have spent all my life savings on this, but I had to convince him and got an appointment. But this guy is so booked up because there aren't many of him. He, it was something like three months until oh. our appointment. And, and that's that felt forever like when you're, yeah, yeah, when yeah, you're exactly. trying to have a baby, that's, that's too long. <laughs> yeah, I felt like I was losing a race against nobody. You know, I was like, we're wasting time. Anyway, um, and he said in this email, do not get pregnant before the appointment because they, what they want to do is do some blood tests and figure out what's going on in my body, et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, guess what happened? We got pregnant before the appointment. <laughs> I, I said to George that we shouldn't try. We should be very careful. He said, what is the likelihood of getting pregnant? And I was like, very high. Do you know us? With you very guys. <laughs> um, anyway, um, I had a really bad headache one day. No, that was it. Really bad period cramps one day. And just as I was about to take a whole host of ibuprofen and paracetamol and everything I could think of to help me get through my day of work, I thought, hang on a second let me just double check this isn't a pregnancy symptom before I put all these painkillers in me six o'clock in the morning went to do a test two lines and I was like oh my god I was actually like I can't believe we've done this this is so bad went into George woke him up by shoving this stick in his face I told you I told you um he was like what what's happened he was like this is great I was like no it isn't because it's going to put this whole thing backwards because it's going to miscarry and then he's going to want us to wait until everything's finished and you know this is a disaster Gosh, a con- contrast to your first your first experience yeah. of finding out exactly oh every single time it changed but so this time I said look I'm not going to ring them and tell them because it's probably going to miscarry within the week like the last one did and then by the time we've got our appointment we'll you know we won't be pregnant anymore the appointment was in um a month so we didn't we didn't miscarry that week we didn't miscarry the week after so I kept the appointment and I thought okay whatever we'll pay for the appointment it was like 200 pounds something I was like it's not 2,000 pounds it's fine but I called the early pregnancy unit at um, Chelsea and Westminster and I said because they had said next time you get pregnant call us we'll scan you yeah, early definitely. so went in for a scan with them and we had a heartbeat. It was the first Aww. time we've ever seen a heartbeat. And I, I could not believe it. George and I were just there in absolute disbelief. It was a tiny flickering blob. Yet yeah. I was like, I'm in love. 
oh my god this is our child it's this is it this is amazing but of course as soon as you leave that appointment I think oh well what happened if it just stopped beating right now and it's you know yeah immediately I want to be back in the scan anyway we had our appointment with this um, private doctor the very next day and um he basically treated us like we were two naughty school children he was like <laughs> I can't believe you've got pregnant and we were there like I'm really sorry I'm really sorry oh no that's terrible you should never I apologize yeah, for pregnant. I know, but really I was like we saw a heartbeat so haha anyway yeah. he, he said look actually we can do something because we can test your blood now whilst you're pregnant to see what your immune system is doing whilst you're pregnant so that if this miscarries and he said which it probably will which was quite a horrible thing to hear but he was being realistic which i understand but if this miscarries which it probably will at least we'll know how your body changes when you're pregnant and we can work on that so he did all the blood tests and it turns out when i am pregnant my um natural killer cells heightened so i didn't have excess natural killer cells which some people do, but when I was pregnant, my immune system would absolutely skyrocket. And it was basically killing off the pregnancy, thinking that it was some sort of foreign body and a disease yep. and it needs to protect me. So that was what was happening. So what he did was he put me on a course of steroids and um, a drip. And I won't go into the, uh, the actual names of the drugs because I always think that I don't want someone to listen to it and think that that's what they need because everybody's so different. Yeah. Um, but a course of steroids and some other drugs and um, he said come back in two weeks and we'll see what's happened and if maybe we've managed to save the pregnancy before it was too late because what he said he'd like to do usually is prep the body before a pregnancy with these steroids and then get pregnant and obviously that's what we had ignored the advice of anyway two weeks went by really slow again went back in and he said I'm very happy to tell you that this baby is growing and the heartbeat was getting stronger. And ah, oh, it was just amazing. So basically, every two weeks we had to go back and see him and have a scan and um, double check everything and um, see if my blood was fine still and everything was going fine. Each week, each two weeks, the baby was growing a bit and I got to hear the heartbeat and everything, everything was going to plan. And actually, the more it was going to plan, the more I was scared because it was more like, I've got more to lose now. I've got more to lose now. I'm getting more attached and more attached. But we were signed off um, from this clinic when I was 14 weeks. So from 12 weeks, I started to wean off the steroids. Um, And when he first put me on them, he said, look, you're going to gain weight on the steroids. It's going to make you very puffy. And I was like, I don't care. I don't care anything. I don't care if I get really fat. Just to keep the baby, I don't mind. Anyway, at the time I was thinking, oh my God, it's amazing. I didn't even get any, I didn't even get puffy or anything. And when I looked back at pictures, I was, my face was <laughs> swollen, but clearly I just couldn't care less. I just didn't care. So it would have happened gradually as well. So it's not yeah, like exactly. you waking up it's with just, it. Exactly. It's just funny to look back and be like, oh my God, it did, it did happen to me, obviously. Um, and I think anyone who's been on steroids for this reason will say, I was petrified to wean off them. I thought this is the thing that's been keeping the baby in here. No. I'm so scared yeah. to come it's off. It's very things. similar so I... with um, with IVF drugs. So yeah, I would, exactly. I I can keep my doctor, just let me have another week on them, please. He's yeah, like, you don't so need I, them. I was like, I do need them. <laughs> <laughs> and I weaned off them really slowly, and I probably did it slower than I should because I was so scared. But everything was fine, and then 
then we were just passed back to the NHS and I went to my 20 week scan which was oh my god it was the best thing ever it was it, it's the scan that I love so much because you can see everything and the baby looks like a baby um and the lady said to the sonographer said to me so you're a low-risk pregnancy and I was like what from this entire <laughs> entire time I've not been considered low risk at all but in the eyes of the NHS everything was fine now and I was a normal pregnancy so from then on um I was a normal pregnancy and I think once I started feeling kicked because my placenta was anterior, which obviously oh, just, yeah, meant I had to be, wait <laughs> 21 weeks to feel a kick, which drove me absolutely crazy. But once I could feel the kick... Although that's quite normal for a first, a first baby. Yeah, yeah, was... completely, completely. But you look on Instagram and you see, oh my gosh, I have 11 weeks and I felt my first kick or something no. like this. And you think, oh God, <laughs> all I wanted was to have reassurance that the baby was in there and doing fine. But I've had, I think I'd had something like, 14 scans by this point so I knew the baby was okay it was just my anxiety levels but no, I, I've I been think, known to um to bend over or um have a little lie on my tummy <laughs> just yeah, to annoy, just the, annoy the baby to go, just give me a kick so I know you're okay I know I'm annoying you but uh, oh there you go thanks all right I'll stand up now <laughs> like drink some really cold water yeah. um but basically that is the journey up until that's basically the fertility journey up until the pregnancy was considered normal which was amazing and then that pregnancy was Alfie, who's now five months old, um, which is surreal. I don't think I stopped being nervous the entire pregnancy, even though I told myself I was fine, because compared to before, I really was not as nervous. But it wasn't until I held him in my arms that I breathed this huge sigh of relief. And it was like, oh, my God, I didn't even realize how much I was holding on to yeah. until he was here. And then they were doing all tests to check if he was blind and deaf. And I was like, oh, I didn't even think about that bit. So, I, you know, I don't think the anxiety ever stops, does it? But I, um, when they put him on my chest, honestly, I, 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 I couldn't even tell you what else was happening in the room, even though a lot was happening in the room. I was just on cloud nine. I was complete. I felt amazing. Oh, that's such an incredible story. Thank you so much for sharing it with me. Um, I wanted to ask about um, working out, like doing your own workouts while you were pregnant and postnatal well, as well. Like, how was that? Or did you so not because was, of the, your history? Yeah, it's very interesting. So the first pregnancy, way back when, the first one, I, um, I carried on as normal, absolutely fine, um, as I advised clients to do. Mm. Um, and then I miscarried. So then I panicked. So in the next pregnancy, I was very careful, but I still exercised. And then I miscarried. So in the third pregnancy, I thought, I know, I'm going to stay as still as possible and hope the baby stays in there. So honestly, I'm not even joking. I would come back from a client and I would lie on the sofa. I was trying to stay as horizontal as I could so that gravity wouldn't push the baby out. And I still miscarried. And I'm actually glad that I did that because it proved to me that miscarriage is not for the, for the 99% of cases. It's not because of anything you've done. No, absolutely. So, it proved to me and hopefully to anyone else listening that um, just by doing some squats or sitting on a bike, doing some cycling, that's not the reason that I miscarried. So for the, for the final pregnancy, <laughs> I, um, I carried on as usual. There's things that I, I stopped doing early on, like um, running. I'm not a huge runner, but I absolutely, and I know runners, you, you're a runner, aren't you? You'll probably think it's yeah. crazy, but I love running on a treadmill. 
because yeah. I love to do. Sprints. I think you're LCR your rocker. Do, yeah, I don't <laughs> love running outside because I just don't get the thrill from it. But I am um, really. I, yeah, I mean, I just think I, I'm not a very good runner. As in, I've never really done it for that much. I ran a half marathon once, but I'm, I'm a very competitive sports person. So I stupidly. I love races. I absolutely love doing the half marathon, but I didn't really train properly for it because I don't love going to, going for a run. So then I injured myself in the actual half marathon because I oh ran no. faster than I've ever run before because I was trying to win <laughs> a, a PB against myself. So I I love doing sprints because I love going fast, but I can't go for very long. So anyway, mm-hmm. I stopped I stopped running because I just felt this. I was so aware of my lower tummy and my yeah. And, you know, my uterus growing that I just couldn't stop thinking about it when I was running. And so to me, it didn't feel comfortable. Yeah. Um, not to say that you shouldn't if, if you no, feel comfortable just running. No, it feels right. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And there's some people who run all the way to the end and it's absolutely fine. But I stopped immediately and I, I just carried on doing strength training. Um, and some days I would go to the gym or start doing a workout from home and I'd be absolutely knackered or I felt quite sick and I would just stop. So... I got very good at being kinder to myself, which I'm really gutted about that I had to get pregnant to start being kinder to my body. You know, I think we all need to learn how to do that. And I, and I think being pregnant makes you respect your body so much, but I wish that we respect our bodies that much all the time. Um, but I would take many more rest days. Um, but I carried on training the entire pregnancy, which I loved. And obviously I was in lockdown from 20 weeks in on my pregnancy of course so that was really crappy so I was at home um we managed to rent a bike from one of the local studios near us so I could bring some some sort of cardio at home mainly Mm -hmm. to like get my energy out because I was going so crazy um and so I kept doing exercise at home but as you know as and when I got towards the end of the pregnancy I was starting to get a bit of pelvic girdle pain I would adapt it or I would slow down um so it was interesting because I always thought I'm going to be hammering the sessions until the end I'm going to be that person that's doing pull-ups all the way through their pregnancy and I wasn't I absolutely wasn't I really listened to my body and I toned it down when I needed to but I did keep going until probably well I was a week overdue it felt like six months overdue that <laughs> <last week. laughs> um but because I stupidly told myself I'm probably going to be early because I was hoping I'll be early I felt like I stopped exercising with weights about three or four weeks before I actually had him and it was good I still exercised a bit and I still did some movement and stretching and walking and stuff but I um I toned down the weights and the strength stuff about a month before I had him because I told myself Maybe I'm too busy to have the baby. Maybe my body needs to relax and it not been work either. I mean, you know, as a midwife, the baby just comes when the baby comes. And actually, that was exactly right. He came bang on 41 weeks and that was how it was supposed to be. Amazing. And what about postnatally? Obviously, you're using your own programs to, to recover and, and um, sort of get, yes. get not, not go back to normal. I hate that phrase or get back in shape or just yeah, feel, uh, feel allow your body to, to recover. Um, is there anything um, now you're doing them yourself? Is, have you, does it make you want to change anything um, that you've been doing teaching for years or adapt anything? Or are you That's actually like, this is, this is great, I'm doing the right thing? <laughs> well, in terms of the actual exercises and uh, the coaching, I would say I wouldn't change anything. And I'm happy to say that, that I'm happy with how I've been doing things for the past however many years. But um, what I would say is that 
finding the time to do it, that is the biggest challenge. I I just can't believe it. Even when he was <laughs> yeah. 10 weeks old and he was quite Evaporates sleepy, the day. Yeah. I, just, I just can't believe how I can't find half an hour to do exercise. It, it's balmy. So I'd say I have been guilty in the past of saying, oh, just do 20 minutes here and 20 minutes there. It's actually so hard because it's not just 20 minutes. It's right, feed the baby, change his nappy, make sure that he's happy and he's playing with some toys or something, um, find my exercise clothes, figure out what I want to do, start going. And by the time I've started, he's hungry again or something's yeah. happened. So it's actually that that I find the hardest thing to do. And I've got a lot more empathy for mums, um, new mums and mums who've got more than one, even harder, to try and figure out how on earth you fit this in your day. So it took me a while. So at the beginning, I started trying to do it when my husband had finished work so in the afternoon but by that time I was knackered yeah. Alfie was sort of in his like witching hour and all I could hear from the other room was him screaming and I just felt too guilty and you I was can't concentrate and then can you yeah, yeah it was too hard so now what I try and do is I wake up or he wakes me up <laughs> I see him <laughs> And he's very happy in the morning. And so that's when, rather than waiting for him to go for a nap, because you don't know how long he's going to nap for, I just put him down next to me and I start, I get going. And I spend half the workout picking up toys he's dropped or, or making silly faces at him to make him laugh. But, but that's when, for me, at the moment, I found it works better, rather than waiting for his nap. And then what I do when he goes down for his nap, that's when I have a shower, which is another luxury I've found. Um, yeah. And then drying my hair, well, that doesn't happen because that's too many. But I would say, yeah, in terms of going through it myself, I just realized how hard it is to actually fit it in, but also to find the motivation because you're tired. I'm bloody knackered. Mm-hmm. Um, and some days, uh, most of the days, if I, if I actually thought about it too much, I'd prefer to lie on the sofa and not do the exercise. But I know how good I'll feel having done even half a session. So I do. I do prioritize it and I try my husband also is really good because he knows that I want to try and fit it in so he'll often go why don't I take him for a quick walk and you get some training done or whatever or if you're anything like me you're a nicer person after you've done it as well oh yeah 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 (laughs) a better mum for sure absolutely yeah and you know if I've done one thing for me in the morning I don't care what happens for the rest of the day if I don't get one more second to myself until the evening it's fine but if I feel like I haven't had any time to myself whatsoever in the day it just feels really frustrating and by the evening I sort of I'm, I'm a bit snappy with him and I feel yep. terrible because he doesn't know it's not his fault but no. I think I've done all day this for you and you can't even let me have a cup of tea you know if I've done a tiny bit of exercise in the morning that doesn't mm-hmm. bother me so much so no, yeah I, uh, I regularly I get up at 4am so I can just oh. get that hit yeah do you wow yeah 4am walk the dog start training at five while my husband's still home and then um yeah because if not oh if you don't my get god it, I'm, well I'm done <laughs> just well awful. you know what I, no. I'm only five months in maybe I'll be doing that at some stage because I just think the unpredictability of babies is is what makes things hard so you know yeah. This morning, I actually thought, I'm going to do a workout before I chat to you um, on the podcast. Turns out, today of all days, he wants to sleep in a little bit in the morning, even though he was awake in the night. He usually wakes up at 6. He decided to wake up at 7.15. They need to send a message. By that time, yeah, exactly, by that time. (laughs) Mum, I'm going to sleep in in tomorrow. (laughs) Yeah, and like, of course he would sleep in on the one morning I actually wanted to be up really (laughs) early. 
So I didn't get to do a workout this morning. So actually, it's one of those things you have to be much better at just going with the flow and rolling with the punches because you can't plan your week like you no. do. And I think that no. was hard for me to take on at the beginning, even though I knew what was coming. I didn't quite grasp the reality of like, you have to live hour by hour. Um, and the baby is the boss. That's what I've learned. <laughs> No, absolutely. And I think it's hard as well doing it in nap time because if they then wake up early or, or yeah. um, they start grouching too soon and you haven't finished and I, I used to find I'd get a bit resentful and like, no, 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 this is my time. You're meant to be sleeping. And um, oh, so yeah. I think, um, absolutely. Now my, uh, my youngest is a bit older. Um, with my eldest, when, I, when he was little, I just couldn't do anything because he'd just want to be held and cuddled. Whatever age, he'd be on top of me up until about three years old, probably. Um, <laughs> but my, my little one now, at 13 months, she's happy to potter and do her okay. thing. She'll come for an occasional cuddle and then she'll potter. So I think it's also quite child dependent as well on, yeah, on their definitely. own character and um, like, yeah, their mood and, and what's going on in the house. But get it yeah. in. Well done. <laughs> thank <laughs> awesome. you. Thank you. But, you know, I used to, I used to train five days a week and I loved it and now it's like this week I've done two and tomorrow I'm teaching a live workout and I'll count that as my third and I'm more than happy with three you know I think it's about just changing expectations a little bit and and I'll get back to doing five a week one day I'm sure of it but right now three is absolutely fine and my step count is through the roof because yeah I was going to say it's not as you're moving yeah exactly exactly. I'm not sat on the sofa trust me so (laughs) I would say expectations have to just change a little bit. And that, that's, that's my advice I give people. It's the advice I'm trying to live by as well. Absolutely. No, that's awesome. Thank you. Um, I wanted just to quickly ask you about your new book, which is, is it two weeks off release? Is that right? It's three weeks. Well, just under three weeks, actually. Fourth of February, it's coming out. Um, so actually, probably can... by the time this comes out, it's probably going to be two. So there we go. Oh, there we go. Oh, two weeks. <laughs> so, sorry. So, um, no, no, no. <laughs> yeah, you can pre-order it now, which is crazy. I mean, this has been a love and a hate because I, I got the book deal um, just before we went into lockdown. So I was 20 weeks pregnant. And they said... That's not long ago. You no, have turned that around such, really fast. Yeah, it's been such a fast turnaround. Um, they said, would you consider writing a book? And actually, I wanted to write a book for ages, but um, I just, I wasn't sure whether it would sell well if I hadn't had a baby myself and et cetera, et cetera. So I hadn't really got round to sort of doing anything serious about it. So when she, when she offered it, I was like, yes, oh my God, I'd love to. But then lockdown hit and it was like, how are we going to take the photos of the bump for the book and all this kind of stuff? So we end up having to do a socially distanced photo shoot with really? two other bump models where we had to do group shots where we were all stood really far apart and the, the editor had to Photoshop them Squeeze together. Squeeze together. <laughs> yeah, so when you, when you see the book, you're on there and it's so funny, these group shots, it looks like we're looking right over our shoulder at each other. We were actually really far apart. Um, oh, funny. But it was actually great for me in the pregnancy because uh, it, it was a job that I needed to do that involved sitting down. All, my, all the other parts of my job, I'm, run, I'm doing squats and lunges and everything and I really needed to slow down. So it was amazing. I just sat here. It was a heat wave. I was typing away. But the due date for the book was the same as the due date for the baby. They said, how, how, do you, how do you feel about um, handing it in on the 27th of July? I was like, well, I'm hopefully going to be quite busy on that day. So it was great because I had something to focus my mind on up until the due date. Um, so I handed it in on time and then he was a week overdue anyway. So I had a week. And then when he was here, that was the hardest bit because I needed to do the editing 
with a baby here, with a baby who only naps for half an hour at a time. And it's so hard to get in the zone and do the work in half an hour. So, and also we didn't have any help because of lockdown. We didn't, yeah, of course. didn't have any help. So I found that really hard. And I think I aged about 40 years just trying to get this book edited, but we did it. And yeah, like you said, it was a really fast turnaround, but I'm glad because it means that um, it was, oh, sorry, it was the pregnancy that wasn't that long ago that I'm that I, people are reading about and my baby is only five months now and it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's here so um basically the book is a lot about what we've spoken about on the podcast so it's like my diary throughout my pregnancy and the journey to pregnancy so I do a lot it's very chatty um and talk about what I feel and how we how we cope with it and what we did and then through each trimester of the pregnancy there are 12 full workouts Upper Amazing. body, lower body, full body, and core in there. And we talk, and there's a physic, one of my best, best friends, and um, a woman's health physio who works with Bumps and Burpees, Claire Bourne. She is in the book a lot as well, giving um, physio advice on core, pelvic girdle pain, pelvic floor, all these things that, that um, you might ask people when you're in your pregnancy. So that's dotted all the way through. And in, after, after the third trimester, we also go into the fourth trimester. So you've got that first six to eight to 12 weeks somewhere around there about the things that you can do at home before you get that all clear to go back to exercise so pelvic floor uh, regaining the muscle connection with your core um, small exercise like that stretches and um, how to help yourself recover so scar massage if you've had a cesarean episiotomy care all these kind of things so it sort of guides you into the very early stages of motherhood and also I talk about you know how I felt about it emotionally and um, what it was like having people want to visit all the time and having a new baby around and things like that so it takes you sort of from getting pregnant trimester one two and three and then four so it's packed full of stuff um and I'm it really sounds excited. incredible oh, I'm really awesome. excited people to get it because I just the idea behind the book is that I wanted it to almost be like someone, your friend, was holding your hand throughout your pregnancy. I want to feel like you're not on your own when you feel like I've written in there how one day I came home and George had eaten the last wrap that we had, and I wanted it, and I absolutely no. lost it. Yeah, exactly. I completely <laughs> lost it, and he had to go to the shop and buy me some more. And it's things like that that I've written about that hopefully will make women feel like oh, it's not only me that has these outbursts of hormones, or, you know? And I think, my, my husband would know better than to touch the chocolate. <laughs> he oh, he, he learned very, very quickly. He was like, there's plenty of other things in the fridge for you to eat. And I was like, I don't want to eat those things. You're making a pregnant woman starve. I mean, honestly, it was so irrational. I knew it in my head. I was like, God, Not dramatic ridiculous. at all. <laughs> I knew it was ridiculous and I couldn't help it. I, I wanted the wrap and he went and got me one. And I was like, thank you. Now do not do that again. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I've written about stuff like that because I feel like pregnancy, especially if you're in lockdown, is a really lonely place. And um, you can feel like you're the only person in the world going through this crazy journey. And so um, hopefully it will it will be like a little friend to go through pregnancy with. Um, so yeah, it's coming out in two weeks. I'm really excited. Congratulations. Though. It's Thank absolutely you. Amazing. Well done. What an achievement. Absolutely awesome. Right, I'm very aware that I've kept you for a long time. So um, at the end of the podcast, I like to ask three questions, if you're okay mm -hmm. for me to go ahead. So yeah. the first one being, um, if you were to have, um, I always get corrected, coffee, gin, wine, prosecco, whatever your tipple <laughs> is, um, with any other women in the world, who would it be and why? 
Well, I, I actually listened to one of your other podcasts with um, Sophie Martin. With Sophie. Who actually was my midwife. So, so this is I, why it was all so... Yeah, and I used to work with Sophie yeah. and it's all... <laughs> yeah, I absolutely love oh, well. that, that interview. She's amazing. But I listened Isn't to her she? answer this question. And I thought, oh my God, who am I going to say? And actually, I thought about it so much. And I think probably my drink choice at the moment would be a hot cup of tea because as a new mum... I only drink cold tea now because I can never get to it in time. So a hot cup of tea. And I think I'd like to have it with my, my two grandmas. So one of them is not alive anymore. And one of them is, but I haven't seen her this entire time because she's been oh, in yeah. lockdown um, in where she lives in. It's like an old people assisted living um, home. Mm-hmm. So I speak to her on the phone all the time, but I would just love to go and sit and have a cup of tea with her and my other grandma because not only were they mums too, and it's amazing to hear their stories of how things have changed, um, but they have just done so much in their life. And I just, I just want to hear all these stories. And my grandma, who isn't here anymore, you immediately just think, I wish I'd asked her this, I wish I'd asked her that. Yeah. And so I think I'd love to sit with them both together, nice cup of tea, chocolate biscuit, and just put the world to rights in a natural awesome. way. That's what I, like I can see a nice Victoria sponge in the, on the table oh. as well. Yeah, <laughs> lovely. And um, since becoming a mum, are there any, um, or through your, your journey to becoming a mum, um, any life hacks, um, any, any mum hacks you can share, or even um, your experience of being a pre and postnatal trainer with so many other mums for such a long time, anything you can share? Well, I think there's two things, if I'm allowed. One thing Absolutely. from, from um, a person trying to get pregnant and then being pregnant after experiencing loss, I would say accept your emotions. So I get messages almost every single day from women saying I've had plenty of miscarriages in the past and I'm now pregnant again and I'm just so anxious I can't get over my anxiety and my advice is to not get over the anxiety it's actually impossible you're going to be anxious whatever happens so don't try and spend all your time trying not to be anxious rather try to accept the anxiety and find ways to live with it so for me it was about being busy um, and it was about talking to my husband about what I was feeling because often he didn't know because I'm actually quite good at putting on a brave face, which I think is a good skill, but it's not a good skill always because it means that I don't talk about my feelings enough. And it means my husband had no idea what I was feeling until one day I'd break down in tears or something. So talk about your feelings, accept them and just live with them, you know, embrace them because they are not going anywhere, unfortunately. Um, find something to keep yourself busy. I really like swimming. Um, when the pools were all open, yeah, open. I actually loved swimming because it meant my phone was away from me no one could get mm-hmm. hold of me I just loved it I was in my own thoughts um, and busy so that's my advice on that side and on the that's, that's interesting day, actually because um sorry to butt in but um, for me right. I hated swimming because I there wasn't any distraction and it used to that's make me true. sick yeah and, that, and I stopped swimming um when I was How uh, interesting. all of my yeah, pregnancies I, I guess, because it was yeah yeah <laughs> you are alone with your thoughts and actually yeah. I liked it because I was alone with my thoughts but I couldn't google anything and I couldn't I couldn't look at other people being pregnant or I couldn't you know compare myself I was there and actually what I spend most of my time swimming doing is counting the length thinking how many have I done two four six that's what I spend my time doing when I'm swimming counting um but for me I really enjoyed it um sorry so uh, it's okay and my other piece of advice would be um for for anyone actually pregnant or postnatal like I said earlier to um be kind to yourself and adapt your expectations 
So don't give yourself a hard time if you haven't achieved what you set out to achieve in your day or your week or even in the hour. Quite often mm-hmm. I'll put Alfie down for a nap and I think in that hour, in the half hour or however long he sleeps for, I'm going to reply to all my emails, I'm going to make some lunch, I'm going to eat the lunch, I'm going to ring my mum and actually all I do is eat my lunch and I do, don't do anything else and then he wakes up again and I think, oh God, that was that done. And actually people understand people know mm-hmm. what's going on they know you've got a baby they will forgive you for not replying to the email for a day or whatever um and I think you just gotta be a bit kinder to yourself you cannot do everything at once you can do everything but not all together and you can't do it all in one day so that's my advice for that be a bit kinder to yourself and just have have different expectations that's amazing thank you and have you caught yourself saying anything um that your mum used to say to you? Uh, yes, I used to always be so confused when my mum would pick me up from school and she would say, um, I said, what do you do today? And she'd say, well, I walked the dog and then I did a supermarket shop. I'm like, is that all? She's like, I, have, I haven't had time to do anything else because I'm, you know, I'm trying to keep the house together and sort you out for school. And I think, she's at home having a cup of tea on the sofa. She, she's got so much time. And now, I'm the same. My husband will finish work for the day. He'll come into the kitchen and it's like a bomb has exploded. All Alfie's toys are on the floor. And I'm like, I haven't even had time to clear it up. And, and I think he's looking at me thinking, what the hell have you been doing in here? But you just don't have time. Time is some sort of time warp when you've got yeah, babies. It's or children. Yeah, <laughs> so I feel like I've started saying that. I just don't have time, <laughs> uh, which is what I used you to know, get. You so know Yeah, exactly. So... so. So when yeah. lockdown's over, you, you leave the house at 8 a.m. and you come back at 8 p.m. and then he can tell you how much time he had in the day. Exactly. When I do things like this, these podcasts, when I finish, he hands me back Alfie going, oh, my God, that was exhausting <laughs> that hour. Yeah, I'm like, well, right, you want to try a whole day by yourself. And he's like, no, 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 it's too hard. So, yeah, the day is busy. And you know what? I know how much I'm doing in the day, but it just seems absolutely crazy that I can't get such tiny tasks done like undo the dishwasher it's like why does that take me so long to do because there's so much else to do so yeah that's what I've learned I've been saying what my mum was saying to me all along I can't I don't have time (laughs) I bet your mum loves hearing that as well actually oh she's loving this whole thing because everything is she's like I told you I told you (laughs) yeah exactly exactly but she's actually a lot of help because I asked her how did you do this wouldn't this be that she's like I knew there was going to be a day where I was going to be helpful well with four of them yeah she must have a lot of um a lot of tips for you yeah 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 she definitely does um so how can people find you on social media and etc so there's actually two channels i've got so i've got at bumps and burpees which is where um i post general exercise advice and not just exercise advice mum there's a big mum community on there and it's lots of just like um empathy you know going you've got this i know you've had a hard day you know we, we help each other it's a really nice community on there lots of workouts to follow and there's lots of live workouts to do which is really fun and then you've got my other page uh, at charlie launder my maiden name which i haven't changed much to the um, <laughs> annoyance of my husband but charlie barker is not available on instagram unfortunately so i'm gonna oh, well, have to go. say it's launder yeah. <laughs> so at charlie launder and um, that's where i basically post about my specific journey so there's the pre and postnatal stuff that i'm doing lots of alfie spam on there um yeah it's more of my personal account so I'm very active on both of those accounts and you can find me there thank you and your new book is called it's actually just called Bumps and Burpees um very easy to find yeah 
That's amazing. Thank you, Charlie, for speaking to me today. It's been absolutely incredible and for sharing everything that you have. It's been really special. Thank you. Oh, well, thanks for letting me do it. It's really nice to be able to share and hopefully help other people in the same position. Amazing. I'll have a lovely rest of the day because you've got the whole day ahead of you. Yeah, yes. And have a nice evening, I'm guessing. <laughs> uh, afternoon for us. Afternoon. <laughs> afternoon. Oh, well, thank you very much for doing it on the weekend. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. What a woman. I am so grateful for Charlie's honesty and courage in sharing her story with us today. Not everyone feels able to talk about their experiences, so I hope that with some of us doing so, others can find solace and perhaps a little comfort too. Speaking as a trained midwife and PT, there's a lot of bad advice and exercise guides out there in the big bad world of social media. At Bumps and Burpees is not one of them. So for some pregnancy and postnatal safe and fun workouts, please give them a follow and join their ever-growing gorgeous community of mums. Finally, keep an eye out on my Instagram over the next few weeks as our first batch of gorgeous reusable nappies and accessories land for our new company, Bop and Bee. I can't wait for you to see what we have. Have a great week and I'll be back next Thursday with another incredible mum and a cracker of a podcast. <laughs>